reading is from Acts 11, 19 to 30, found on page 1711. We just say a prayer. Today is a special day for Father's Day. I really miss my father. He's in heaven, but he's a wonderful Christian man and a kind word for everybody in his elder in his church. And somebody said, it was a comrade dad she was hate man because her father was alcoholic so he had a christian example and pray for all the fathers here your spiritual leading of the family and god give them a special day they really earn it thank you now those who had been scattered by the persecution and conviction with stephan traveled as far as phoenicia cyprus and antioch telling the message only to Jews. Some of them, however, men from Cyprus, Cyrene, went to Antioch, began to speak to Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. The Lord hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. News of this reached the ears of the church at Jerusalem, and he sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived, he saw the evidence of the grace of the God. He was glad and encouraged them and all remained true to the Lord with all their hearts. He was a good man, both the Holy Spirit and faith. And a great number of people were brought to the Lord. Then Barnabas went to Terras to look for Saul. When he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church, taught great numbers of people. Disciples could recall Christians first at Antioch. During this time, some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them named Agabus stood up and through his spirit predicted that a severe salmon was spread over the Roman Empire. This happened during the reign of Claudius. Disciples each, disciples each according to his ability, besides his bright hope for the, for the brothers living in Jesus. This they, did, uh, this they did, sending their gifts to the elders by Barminus and himself. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Anybody hungry? Yeah, right. When you read the biblical story, it starts with a wonderful creation. And shortly thereafter, you hear them of biting a fruit, a simple bite that scatters them out of God's presence scatters them actually across the face of the earth. Scattering. We actually don't know if it was an apple. It just says fruit, but there's lots of medieval paintings that say it's an apple, so we're going with it. Scattering. Did you catch that word at the start of this passage? There were some people who had been scattered 
because of the persecution that broke out after Stephen was killed. That word scattered is incredibly important in the whole biblical narrative. When you're back here early on, early on in the story of Scripture and, and God's people, God gives Moses these incredible directions. And he, he tells them, you've got to follow me. And, and here's what happens when you follow me. All sorts of promises and blessings. But he adds with it, comes up towards the end of Deuteronomy in a couple places. If you choose not to obey me, I will scatter you to the ends of the earth. You will be forced out of the promised land, the place I'm giving you. In other words, you won't be my people. You're going to be removed from my presence at a distance from me. You, you will no longer be an identifiable people. Scattered. In the prophets, they come back to that word and they speak it in a different way. They tell of a time when God is going to make all things new and they, and they say, when you return to me, when you repent from your sins, no matter how far I've scattered you to the ends of the earth, I will bring you back. You will be my people. I will make you mine. Something happens to that word scattered after the day of Pentecost. You remember what Jesus said to the disciples as he was getting ready to ascend? You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And in that promise from Jesus, in those words from Jesus, there is a, a sending out, a scattering that happens. A promise that, that now you're going to, even as I have gathered you, I'm going to scatter you out. And as I scatter you out, you're going to go as witnesses of me. No longer punished by me, no longer separated from me, but you will go with me to the ends of the earth. Shortly after that, we hear these stories told of the early church and all sorts of things that happen in the city of Jerusalem. John and Peter are walking along and they see a guy who's, who's lame and, and begging at the temple courts. And they tell him, get up and walk. And he does. And the whole city goes into an uproar because they can't understand it. And, and then we hear this story of, of how in Jerusalem, uh, some of the widows were being overlooked. They were actually a bunch of Greek-speaking widows, God-fearing Jews who were Greek-speaking and those widows were being overlooked. And the apostles said, we can't do all the ministry of the church ourselves. We need deacons. We need a team of people who will walk alongside the people in this new community God's making and take care of them. And, and you see the office of deacon. And one of those deacons is a man named Stephen. Now, in our tradition, we like to have the elders have one role, the pastors have one role, the deacons have another role, right? And historically, we kind of said, you got to be a deacon first, because that's kind of a junior office. And then there's the elder. And once you've been a deacon, then maybe you can serve as an elder. And, and we kind of make this little hierarchy. If you read the account in Acts, those deacons were full of the Holy Spirit, and, and Stephen would get in all these big theological debates with all sorts of people, and he would win. 
He knew his scripture inside and out, and his role as a deacon was not just acts of service. It was leading the people of God, teaching the people of God, engaging in evangelism with all sorts of people and what we would call apologetics, which is arguing for the rational understanding of the Christian faith with people who don't believe. And you see Stephen rise up. And then Stephen... Stephen is brought before the Sanhedrin and he gives one of the longest sermons. It might actually be the longest sermon in the New Testament. Telling the whole history of God's people and God's faithfulness. Telling about who Jesus Christ is and how God raised him from the dead and he's sitting at the right hand of God and the people, they can't stand to hear this. They get up and they rush him and they stone him to death. And one of the people sitting there giving his approval is Saul. Saul will later become the apostle Paul, but before that happens, Saul takes that moment, that, that moment of Stephen's stoning, and turns it into an opportunity to persecute God's people, and he sends them scattering. Right after Stephen is stoned to death, it says the church was scattered all over the place outside of Jerusalem, and the only ones who stayed in Jerusalem were really the apostles. Everyone else was scattered. This passage and the one that's just before it are of God gathering his people together and sending them out. A gathering and a scattering that shows that God's hand has been at work in this all along. I want to give us another image with this apple and do that. I'm going to cut it open a minute. If you cut down the middle apple, someone wanted half of it. Cut down the middle of the apple. What do you find? Seeds. Yeah. There's actually quite a few of them if you dig around. I'll just take one of them for right now. It's a tiny thing, isn't it? Really small, tiny thing. These seeds are meant to be scattered. They're meant to be thrown around. And and what comes from this little seed? Another apple? An apple tree. And what comes from the apple tree? A whole bunch of more apples. <laughs> right? If the tree's healthy, basketfuls of apples. I've stood in some of those trees with Edward and Peter shaking them as the apples fall down. It is amazing how much can grow out of this little seed. In this story, there are a whole bunch of little seeds that have been scattered around, and I want to name just a few of them so that we can see how God's hand has been with his people, even in the midst of the persecution they were experiencing. Did you catch where the people came from who were doing this work in Antioch? 
they didn't come from Jerusalem. The center of the church was in Jerusalem, and, and Peter had gone out from Jerusalem and then gone back to Jerusalem. He had gone out to meet with Cornelius because God gave him a vision that the gospel was for the Gentiles too. And so Peter goes out and he comes back and he reports and people are amazed. Even the Gentiles are accepting Jesus. They're coming to him and being filled with the Holy Spirit. And all the while, while this is going on, there's this parallel story that's happening. Some men from Cyrene and some men from Cyprus have gone over to Antioch and they decided they're not just going to stick to the Jewish synagogues, but they're going to talk to the Greeks about Jesus and tell them the good news of Jesus. Now I want us to see a map a minute. Could you pull that up? Here's a map of the Roman Empire during the, the early part uh, uh, after Jesus. So this, is, this map is, is roughly about 100 to 170 AD. So a little bit later than the time period we're talking about in Acts. Cyrene is almost in the middle, a little bit to left of middle on the bottom part in Libya. In Libya. Somehow, the good news of Jesus Christ had traveled from Jerusalem all the way to Cyrene. In fact, Cyrene is seen by the end of the second century as one of the leading centers of Christianity in the church. Okay, and Cyrene, you may, have, you may recognize that, maybe bouncing around going, that sounds familiar, where have we heard it? Remember as Jesus is carrying his cross and he gets beat and beat and beat and finally it's obvious to the Roman soldiers he can't carry his cross. The soldiers grab a guy named Simon from Cyrene and they put the cross on him and force him to carry it. The church history we ha has said since early on that Simon and a few others who were with him from Cyrene took the gospel back with them to where they lived in modern day Libya. And they started the church there. If you read the coming of Pentecost and when the people are speaking in all sorts of tongues, it says there were Jews who were there from, from the regions of Libya around Cyrene. And they heard it too. And they went home. And they brought the good news of Jesus with them. The gospel, those little seeds, Simon carrying Jesus' cross, hearing those people who sounded to many like they were just drunk men on that first Pentecost day, and hearing Peter's sermon, and repenting and believing, and taking the little seed of the gospel home with them. And, and Cyprus, that little island out in the middle of the Mediterranean, it's, you see Crete in the middle. Yep, thank you, Owen, for circling that. On the right-hand side in the Mediterranean Ocean, there's an island of Cyprus. So somehow, these men from Cyrene and the men from, from Cyprus got together and said, we're going to go to Antioch. And Antioch is on the far right side, just above the word Syria. There we go. Antioch. Antioch, at that time, was the third largest city in the Roman Empire. It was considered the gateway to the east, the first city of the east, kind of primary importance at that time. It was estimated that there were over 200,000 people living in the city itself, not counting the region around it. 
It is a center of traffic, travel from one end of the country, to, of the empire to the other. Little seed from Cyrene and a little seed from Cyprus and suddenly you have a church growing. And the apostles who are down in Jerusalem hear about it and they go, what? Did you go? Did you go? I didn't go. Who went? How did they hear about this? We better send somebody. And who do they choose? They choose Barnabas. If you remember back, the end of chapter 4 actually introduces us to Barnabas. His real name is Joseph from Cyprus. Joseph from Cyprus. And he's given the name Barnabas because he is such an encouragement to others. Barnabas really means son of encouragement. And Barnabas sells a whole bunch of property and brings it and gives it to the apostles that they may distribute it to whoever has need. And he's spoken of as being a man full of the Spirit. And here the apostles say, you know what? We need to stay in Jerusalem, but Barnabas, we trust you. We need to send you to find out what's happening. And he gets there. This little seed of Barnabas travels up there. Do you know how far it is? I mean, on the map, it's a little... It, it's hard to tell. From Jerusalem, I'll give a circle down to Jerusalem. It's on the right side there. Up to Antioch is 500 kilometers. They didn't have trains. They didn't have planes. They didn't have automobiles. No fun travel stories to go with it. He takes the tourist route, makes his way up the trade routes, gets up there 500 kilometers later, and he sees what's happening there and he says, this is good. He affirms that God's hand is with them. And, and not only have many Greeks come to know the Lord already, that when he gets there, he starts serving in such a way that many more people come to know the Lord. Many people are coming to know the story of Jesus Christ because these little seeds from Cyrene and Cyprus and Barnabas who had transplanted down to Jerusalem and now being sent out. And as he's sitting there, he goes, you know what? I need to go find Saul. I need to go get Saul. And so he does. He goes up to Tarsus, which you can't see on this map, but it's where it says Cilicia, just to the uh, west, to the left of Antioch there. Tarsus is right around the A of that word. Not big journey, just a little ways away, but he goes and gets Saul, and they come back, and Saul, for the first time, takes a leadership role in the church. He starts teaching, and for over a year, Barnabas and Saul disciple together. Evangelism, discipleship, weaving hand in hand, raising up a whole tree in Antioch. By the second century, Antioch is the leading church in all of Christendom. It's more important than the church in Jerusalem, the one in Alexandria, the one in Cyrene. Antioch becomes the place where, where Saul, who later is renamed to Paul, where Paul and Barnabas traveled together on three missionary journeys. All the way, all through, all through the, the southern part of Asia, which is, is Turkey today, into Greece and into Italy, on up to Rome. Little seeds being planted all over the place. The church growing. 
was at Synod this week. For those of you who don't know what Synod is, Synod is uh, an annual gathering of leaders from around the Christian Reformed Church. We spend a week or so together talking about all sorts of theological issues, talking about finances for our denomination, talking about all sorts of stuff. One of the highlights for me was sitting in a room with representatives from seven different denominations all around the world. Three of those denominations were from Nigeria, all of them bigger than our denomination. Two and a half, uh, one of them was 3. million people in it. Another one had, had something like 1.5. Another one was about 500,000 people. Three denominations, you know where they point their beginning to? Johanna Veenstra, who came out of the CRC. A little seed from the CRC who went to bring the gospel to people in Nigeria. And the church flourished and grew. And it's bigger than we are. Way, way bigger than we are. As they talked, they talked about persecution. One of the pastors talked about how they've had 900 of members of their church who have been killed by, by Boko Haram and a couple other militant groups in Nigeria operating in the northern part of it. Talked about 70 churches in the last year that had been burned to the ground. You know what struck me? It's his next comment. Right now, we're training missionaries to go to Canada and the U.S. Persecution coming on the church in Nigeria today and their vision is to go to the ends of the earth as they're scattered. Little seeds being scattered around the world. I listened to a pastor, Pastor, pastor Farat from Egypt. He's one of the leading pastors in Egypt and, and part of a, a denomination that we actually have six partner missionaries. So they're, they're missionaries from the Christian Reformed Church who are also working with his denomination in Egypt. And it was a delight to listen to him tell the stories and, and what they're experiencing. In the last year, the Egyptian government has given them 16 pieces of land and said, we'll help you build new churches. Those stories don't get out. In the last year, they have planted 10 Arabic-speaking churches in Germany to deal with the, Arab, the, the whole refugee crisis. And they talked about sending more missionaries out, including trying to find church planters who can plant Arabic-speaking churches here in Canada. Persecution. Little seeds being scattered. It was fascinating to me to have this text bringing us back into a story that seems so distant of God's people being scattered through persecution to the ends of the earth, of God raising up new churches and new groups of people in places that that the apostles didn't have control over and had never been to, and God said, I'm taking this seed from Cyrene and this one from Cyprus, and I'm going to grow a new church, and I'm going to make it prosper. The good news of Jesus Christ is powerful and effective and will change the world. And then they'll listen to these pastors tell about their own stories of persecution and how their people are being scattered around the world and they're looking for ways to plant the little seeds in new spaces. It's incredibly humbling. You're sending missionaries to Canada? To the U.S.? Because we need the gospel. 
and they see it. And in response to the persecution they're seeing in the part of their part of the world, they say, Lord Jesus, where would you scatter us? Where would you send us? If you read the end of this text, a prophet, number of prophets, come up from Jerusalem. As they're prophesying, one of them says, there's a famine coming. And this new seedling of a church in Antioch gathers its resources together. And they sent Paul and Barnabas on their first missionary journey together. And their first one is an act associated most commonly with our deacons. Take these resources, please. Take what we have to offer and go strengthen the church in another part of the world. Go back to Judea. Go back to the people who sent you to us and strengthen them, encourage them, build them up. That that church may grow in the midst of what it's going to face in the coming days and years. Little seeds. I'm going to encourage you, if you don't have an apple, buy an apple this week. Cut it open. Take out one of the seeds. Let it sit in your hand. Put it on your desk. Put it on the dashboard of your car with a piece of tape so that you see it. See the seed. And understand that in Jesus Christ's death and resurrection, him who has been cut open for us, we have been given the job, the calling, the privilege to be scattered into all sorts of places. For some of us, it's into our academic institutions. For some of us, it's into our neighborhoods. For some of us, it's to make sure we go to the same grocery store and talk to the same cashier each week or the same bank and instead of using the ATM, they actually walk in and learn the name of the teller. We are being scattered with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we may not be scattered to the ends of the earth. Some of us may go. But we're scattered each and every week. We're gathered into this place to worship God together, to experience his reconciling love in Jesus Christ. And as we are gathered together, the Spirit fills us and scatters us back out. It says, go into all the world. Go into Hamilton and Stony Creek and Waterdown and Caledonia and Brantford. And go beyond that into Toronto and to Ottawa, to the ends of the earth. Even go into the States sometimes. But go as a seed of my gospel and watch what I do to build my kingdom, to grow my kingdom in ways you never imagined or expected. And take joy because even as I have been building my kingdom for 2,000 years, I will continue to do so in and through you today. God is good all the time. All the time, God is good, right? Let's pray. Thank you for this reminder, Lord, that you are the God who is at work planting and growing your church in ways we never imagined possible. We pray for our sisters and brothers in Nigeria and in Egypt who are being faithful to you in the midst of persecution we can't fathom. 
Thank you for their faithfulness to the gospel. Thank you that they trust you and are obeying you. May you continue to grow us because of their witness. Give us the humility to learn from them. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to recognize in this story, in your word, our place and our role in your kingdom. To take the seed of your gospel that you have planted in us and allow you to grow it in all the places we inhabit throughout the week, all the places you scatter us to. Remind us that we are the seeds of your gospel that you are spreading across the face of the earth. And may we stand in awe of how your reconciling love in Jesus Christ continues to make all things new. In him we pray. Amen. In response, I invite us to stand and sing together, Oh, the deep, deep love of Jesus. Please stand and sing. <laughs>